0: Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Tony. And this is PodMed Trending. Today, I'll be walking through the article: Longitudinal analysis reveals high prevalence of Epstein-Barr virus associated with multiple sclerosis. And it's by Bjornovic et al. in Science. So. So they aimed
1: low for this article. as Yeah. As um,
0: <laughs> this was just published in January of this year. And it's really interesting, but of course, since it's published in Science, it's rather short, but, like, every sentence is, like, a whole finding. So, (laughs) since it's a little bit dense, first I'm going to go over some background about MS and Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV, as I'm going to call it, so that the stuff makes sense and just a general review of immunology because I'm not an immunology person and if I don't say this now I'll probably mess something up later (laughs) so good to know yes so abbreviations multiple sclerosis MS Epstein-Barr virus EBV MS is an autoimmune condition it is demyelinating and progressive so that means like the myelin is the white matter in the brain and spinal cord that acts as insulation so the neurons can send their signal
1: it also assists in conduction
0: right right kind of like a cord you can think of the um like the metal part in the cord as the neuron and then the stuff wrapping around it like the plastic rubber stuff whatever that's the myelin so you lose that myelination and it occurs in these like progressive lesions over time so it gets worse over time and if anyone out here is studying for step one or two you kind of buzz phrase associated with that is multiple lesions in time and space. So they have uh, varying clinical presentations depending on where they lose the myelin, but the most common one, because it's very heavily myelinated, is the MLF, which stands for medial longitudinal fasciculus. I think. Connects the two eyes, because obviously... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you want to be like, when you need to look to your left, both your eyes have to coordinate to look together. Yes. So... It's very heavily myelinated, so the signal that your eyes need to move will happen at the same time or near instantaneously. And so the buzz phrase, buzzword, clinical finding is an uh, ocular pathology called intranuclear ophthalmoplegia I know,
1: but that I do remember yes. from block. <laughs> yes. However, many decades ago that was.
0: Various trouble with sensation coordination, and frequently see this vision problem. I and in, for autoimmune diseases in general, it's not really well understood why some people get them and some people don't. It's generally thought that autoimmunity runs in families, but even in a family with autoimmune diseases, it's not always the same condition. The theory is that, you know, you have your genetically susceptible individuals that are exposed to a certain environmental trigger. So you have, you know, people with the same genetics but have different environments, so that's why some get it, some don't, and then you have some people in the same environment, but they don't have all the same genetic susceptibility, which basically is a long way of saying it's, it's not, like, a monogenetic condition or, like, a really strong environmental factor that has been easy to figure
1: out. Right. I, the way I always kind of think about this, and I thought about it a lot when we were going over, like, autoimmune diseases, as some listeners might know like i'm a type 1 diabetic but my twin brother is not Mm -hmm. um and we're identical twins so Mm -hmm. hypothetically speaking i should not be suffering alone (laughs) (laughs) here i am but yeah i was thinking about that because like we have very similar genetics Mm -hmm. just based on like our conception Mm -hmm. and we grew up in the the exact same environment up Mm -hmm. until the point of our di my diagnosis at least Mm -hmm. and but there's just something that I was exposed to or that I genetically have that is slightly different, probably in the HLA genes Mm -hmm, mm because that's what kind of mediates recognition of self versus other by the Mm -hmm, immune system. mm -hmm. Those things are really important for for autoimmune disease, like progression and development. Yes. Funny
0: sidebar on that. So I, we're all on the autoimmune bus. (laughs) Um, um, bus. (laughs) I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so my mom learns when I was diagnosed as a kid, my mom learns it runs in family, the worst common in women. Typically middle-aged, I was just, like, an overachiever. So she's, like, gets herself checked, but didn't have it at the time, but then years later developed it. Who knows, like, what I was exposed yeah. to first or yeah, it's if weird. I have a stronger genetic. And
1: uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that autoimmune diseases are much more prevalent in women than men, yes, correct? this yes. is true. Yep. So there's yep. a slight gender disparity yep. in that. Yep. So once again, I'm just Taking breaking. one for the team. Yeah, just really <laughs> breaking all the molds there.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so as we've kind of hinted at, autoimmune diseases are your auto-self immune, your own immune system is attacking yourself. So that is my MS recap. Epstein-Barr virus, EBV. If, even if you haven't heard of the virus, you've probably heard of what it causes, which is mono, or infectious mononucleosis. It causes, I think, most, maybe 90-95% of mono cases, it's also in the herpes virus family, which, you know, herpes is obviously a slang for herpes one and two, which, but it's actually a family of viruses that all, all cause, like, herpes. Yeah. But what they have in common is that they, herpes viruses are really good at going dormant in the immune system, and then reappearing later years later, or just establishing lifelong infections that can evade... The immune system, which is not good. So basically, most of herpes, herpes viruses, you get an initial infection, which your immune system will curtail, and then you get better, but you can either have a reflux of that symptom later, or you can have this kind of persistent infection. An example of like a latent infection would be um, of another herpes virus Virus um, would be getting chicken pox as a kid, and then you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Years later, you're adult, you get shingles. So that's the same virus. that just went latent for a really long time, and then a lifelong infection example would be herpes, herpes, which can come and go throughout your whole life.
1: Yeah. So like herpes simplex one or two.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I know that in chickenpox and in the herpes simplex viruses, mm-hmm. those usually remain dormant within neural structures. Is that the same for EBV or? No. Because I was about to, I'm pretty sure, doesn't that remain like at, like uh, dormant, like in the, the lymph nodes or something in B cells? In
0: B cells. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So which will come into play later. So EBV goes latent in, B-cells. EBV has come up previously for causing problems because it already is established that it can cause this um, long-term infection in B-cells, and it's known to be a driver of cancers.
1: Yeah, like so, head and neck cancer, not to toot my yes, own horn. <laughs> yes.
0: Nasopharyngeal carcinoma, mm-hmm. Burkitt's lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which, and it's not the only herpes virus that can do that, um, herpes virus A, A, G, HHV8 yeah it causes Kaposi sarcoma
1: yeah in uh, patients who are HIV positive yes
0: yep or otherwise immunocompromised yes EBV is a suspicious character for causing issues
1: <laughs> really runs in that family yeah
0: truly not a good family <laughs> it causes all these other things uh, B cells you're already thinking the immune system um, the idea that maybe EBV Somehow is involved. Like that's the environmental trigger that predisposes you to MS. Has been a hypothesis for a while. It's been really difficult to prove because if you'd like randomly test like a million people, like almost all of them are, are going to have had EBV at some point in their life. Right.
1: It's one of it's those infections common. that is like pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Like, uh... like CMV. Mm-hmm.
0: And people don't necessarily know that they've had it, and it goes around in like colleges and
1: you know what, high schools and whatnot. Hmm. Like the other main cause of uh, immune mediated head and neck cancer, HPV. Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I'm really just tying all this back to me.
0: Uh, I see. <laughs> so, EBV, very, very common. MS, right. considered a rare disease. It's a more common demyelinated disease, but it's rare. So, right. It's it's and you also can't say okay here are a hundred kids and half of them we're gonna expose them to something we think causes MS <laughs> and half of them are not and then we'll see you know like you can't do that and then retrospectively it's just like they they've done some stuff retrospectively but it's just harder to say right because like they could have gotten MS and then gotten EBB or like right
1: anything. it's like one know. of those other like big problems with like those big data set like mm-hmm. studies mm-hmm. where you if you just like get enough people you're gonna find a correlation between. Okay. Exactly. multiple things. I remember, like, one that came out, like, a, a while, like, maybe it was, like, five or ten years ago, which was, like, oh, people who eat, like, red cabbage live longer, and it's, like, no, it's just people who are alive longer are gonna, as, like, things are alive are gonna eat more red cabbage, just on general. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what they did is a collaboration with the military, because the mm. military has a lot of people. The U.S., this is study was done in the U.S., Military has a lot of people in it, and they're required to be screened twice per year for HIV, and so they take blood samples twice a year, and they store them, I guess. They had access to 10 million samples, or sorry, 10 million individuals um, over 20 years, and basically were able to get all of those samples, and out of 10 million people, at the start of the study, only 5% did not have EBV. Oh, wow. So... You know, it is very common.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, And 955 out of the 10 million developed MS. Okay. you know, obviously, rare disease, so... Yeah,
1: pretty in line with, like, what you see Mm -hmm. nationwide.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, so, out of those 955, they had 801 MS-positive individuals that had blood samples available from their 10 to 20 years. And then they picked basically age race sex match controls also they match to the branch of the military just in case
1: that affected your ms (laughs) no i mean that's a fair point i I mean like if you think about like uh uh, military personnel who came out of vietnam who were like in the army Mm -hmm. they were much more likely to be exposed to like agent orange and develop glioblastomas Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. uh, military personnel who were in the navy Mm -hmm. or the air force and wouldn't be Or, like, I think um,
0: people, like, airline pilots are at high risk for some skin cancers because they're closer to the sun. Yeah, so It makes sense. It's just kind of, like, funny to think about because I don't think about that. Um, And then they also, since they had so many samples to pick from, they picked, so their blood was drawn, like, the samples were drawn chronologically at the same time.
1: Oh, nice. Really good controls. Got to thank the military for that, at least. Yeah.
0: So, out of the 801 that developed MS, 800 were EBV positive. So
1: one was... Prior had. to the, the, the date of their diagnosis, or...
0: at So first they just looked at who has MS, MS and, and who yeah. had EBV. And so there's this one who didn't, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now okay. we're going to focus on the 800. So they basically did... Uh, they started with
1: the 800. So
0: they, yes. So, okay, yeah, these 800 became EBV positive over time and then developed MS, I believe. But we will keep going and I will see if I'm wrong. So they basically calculated the hazard ratio, which is, I wrote this down to make sure I didn't read it wrong, the ratio of the event occurring in the treatment arm versus the control arm, so the ratio of getting MS with or without EBV, and it was 26.5. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. Not like two or something. Yeah. It's
1: 26.5. I'm trying to think back to biostatistics. That basically means that you're 26 times more likely to develop MS with an EBV infection than without it. Yes. 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 Okay. I was like, I'm, I think I'm remembering this correctly. But.
0: So the median time from EBV positive to MS diagnosis was five years because they basically had the serum samples and then like, really to look, that's
1: a pretty short turnaround.
0: Yeah. But you think you can join the military at the end of like 18. Yeah. And so a lot of, there may be missing a population who got EBV e- earlier. So yeah, so they were all only taking people who were EBV negative and it, at the time. Yes. Also, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but, you know, we mentioned how autoimmune diseases in general are more common in women. Mm-hmm. Their MS is more common in women as well. Yes. So, military is mainly men. Yeah, it's so, pretty
1: male-dominant.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's, I have some data on that later. But okay. they measured the serum antibodies to EBV in all the different samples over time and looked for seroconversion, which means... The time between exposure to the virus and antibodies showing up in your blood. Right. And the median onset from seroconversion to MS onset was 7.5 years, meaning that EBV seroconversion happens before MS symptoms are diagnosed. Gotcha. So they did the hazard ratio for just EBV positive and negative. They also did it for seroconversion, so risk of MS if you were seroconverted or seronegative. Gotcha. And that has a ratio it's thirty two point seven. Oh my Which God. is insane.
1: That's yeah, that's kind of that's high. Yes. Yeah.
0: I think they say that the next we were talking about HLA alleles earlier, human leukogen antigen. You know, human leukocyte antigen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um which is how you recognize self or not. And so yeah. there are these different alleles, these different genetic um, like markers. Um, that are associated with different autoimmune conditions. So the next strongest MS risk factor is the HLA DR15 allele. Classic. And that has a ratio is three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is. So a little bit of a, a yeah. little bit of a difference versus, there
0: versus EBV serial conversion of thirty two point seven. So right. it, like, this is like huge. This yeah. is the the smoking gun, maybe. Well, Um, was at
1: least a a big finger pointing towards that might be something interesting. Yes,
0: yes. That was kind of their main finding. Yeah. But they're like, had to do some controls. Well, what else could explain this data other than EBV causing MS? What if there's something else in common, like a confound that all EBV positive individuals have that causes MS, but it's not actually EBV? Right. Or what if there's something that any sort of immune activation that's not specific to EBV will cause so the control is something that we've already discussed it's CMV so oh, I yeah. said EBV causes like 90 95 percent of mono cases CMV causes the other percent it's yeah. it can cause model not usually but um, it's also a herpes virus it's, it has the same like it looks the same you know DNA virus it can integrate into the genome very contagious it's transmitted the same way many people have it yeah
1: very it's, yeah it's also another one of those uh infections that they look for to keep track of in like uh, immune compromised patients mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're they are um oh my god what's the term is for uh infections that become like more worrisome and prevalent when you become more immune compromised they are
0: um opportunistic infection yes thank you whoa I don't know I was like
1: I kept thinking of like a different word I was like it's not bad but
0: um yeah so CMV or cytomegalovirus is something that most people have but they don't even know because you don't really know you have it unless you're seriously immune compromised exactly then it causes issues or you know it can cause a vertical transmission through the placenta it can cause um problems
1: with Oh, it could cause deafness in yes, young children. It's the most
0: common cause of sensor uh, deafness. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. congenital deafness in, in yep. newborns. Yep, 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 That's yep. why you have to test for deafness for in newborns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <they're> so
0: really... <laughs> so it it's it's got all the trappings of E B V, but it's not quite E B V. Yeah.
1: It's so, E B V light.
0: Yeah. Well E B V adjacent. It, <laughs> yeah. They looked to see do they did the same kind of experiments that they were looking at E B V? Um, but with CMV. Right. And they found that CMV-positive individuals actually had a lower rate of MS than CMV-negative individuals. Huh. Interesting. Which they're like, maybe something about, like, fighting off CMV helps you fight off EBV better totally. But that, uh, apparently, that they weren't, like, too shocked about that, but it wasn't, like, a it wasn't, like, this 32 hazard ratio. Right. But it w- certainly wasn't saying that if you get CMV, you also get MS. Right. So if they're gonna say that EMV-
1: <laughs> EBV.
0: EBV causes MS. Obviously, temporally, EBV has to come first. Right. In any neurodegenerative process, you're going to have serum markers of neurodegeneration that usually occur before symptoms, but they don't necessarily know to look for it until you have symptoms, because like, why would you be Yeah, why would you test for it?
1: Yeah. It's and, a problem with like a lot of those autoimmune diseases yes. because usually, you have usually a grace period before yeah. you actually become symptomatic. Exactly. But why would you ever test for something if you don't have any kind of hallmarks or symptoms yeah. of it?
0: So, so in the period where the disease has started but you don't have any symptoms yet, but since they have these serial blood draws for twice, twice a they year, every look year for it. they could look for it. They, so they looked for serum neurofilament, which is not specific for MS, but it's very sensitive for any sort of neural or external. Yeah. Because
1: it's one of the cytoskeletal proteins that make up
0: mm-hmm. axon yeah. um,
1: structures. It's kind of
0: like if you found like a building blew up and there was a bunch of bricks everywhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, neurofilament. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. A neuron must have blown up because now there's a neurofilament. So basically, what they found was that the neurofilament levels in people who are EBV negative was low, 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 low. They became EBV positive. It was low. They zero converted, then it started going up before they were diagnosed with MS.
1: Oh, wow, right? okay. Yeah, that's, so... That's a pretty good causal relationship yeah. there, then, because, I mean, I think a lot of those things where people are trying to figure out what causes autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. or, like, what's really triggering this, like, is there, like, some kind of foundation for it? There's no real good, like, clear correlate. like, there might be some correlations, but there's no real causative pairing that you could find, but that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a pretty, that's, like, convincing at least thing to like be more seriously looking at.
0: So it's basically showing that EBV not only precedes the symptoms, but any early markers that any disease process is happening. These are before people are symptomatic. Gotcha. Um, But again, getting at that, there's like, what other explanations would they have to rule out? Um, One would be a second hit. EBV positive, you know, kind of weakens you, but then there's like a second hit of some other bug or some other environmental factor like Mm -hmm. that then triggers MS immunologically or reverse causation does ms cause EBV? by that does ms reduce something about ms before reduce
1: your protection from EBV? yes okay i see what i was like wait (laughs) yes i'm on the same page now um
0: so like reverse causation is if you think a causes b does b actually cause a because like oh they both have both you know yes Um, yes i see your point yes So, what they did was, and I am not an immunologist, so I'm going to gloss over this at the most highest level. They did this thing called virus scan, like virus scan. Okay. Which I thought was really cool. It sounds really expensive, but it, it's basically probes for the entire proteome of every known human pathogenic virus. Oh, my God. And they put the serum on it and say, like, what antibodies are raised.
1: Did they just have, like, a million dollars to do this? I mean... like. <laughs>
0: The owl, I guess like see- you do
1: one cytokine array and i breaking <laughs> <laughs> the bank.
0: I know. So, um, and it's like the the full proteome of, of every known human pathogenic virus. So, it detects the antibodies that the person makes to viruses. So, it'll say what they've been exposed to. So, you'd expect if MS is changing your immunologic susceptibility to viruses, there are many viruses, like CMV, for example, that are transmitted and... Kind of spawn the same way that ebv does mm-hmm. so there'd be no way for your immune system to kind of distinguish between the two right and your antibody levels to many viruses would have to be increased if just ms was causing a general kind of immunosuppression
1: right so um, i'm guessing they looked at a lot of the like the herpes family viruses they looked
0: at all human pathogenic viruses good lord <laughs> okay
1: well there um, you go
0: <laughs> and they between the ms group and the non MS group. They were basically the same except DBV.
1: That's actually really, it's kind of surprising, but it's, I mean, I guess it, it falls into line with everything that they were like kind mm-hmm. of like demonstrating early yeah. on with like their just patient samples. Yeah. That is actually really, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So they looked at, you know, do other things kind of poke the immune system? That's not specific to EBV and any immune insult causes MS. They looked at, does MS itself cause immune insult? Or is this their reverse causation relationship? They kind of, no, no, no. Their kind of blanket rejection of any other confound is basically, the hazard ratios are so huge, even if there is another confound, there's still going to be a relationship. Like, there's no way that a confound that they haven't noticed is going to be that strong. Like, they were saying, that's where they say the HLA-DR15 allele Or has a ratio of three, so three times more likely to get MS. Yeah. So even if you take something like that away, it's still this, like, huge, strong correlation. So there's something there. And they've got this kind of temporal nature demonstrating a causal relationship. And so they're pretty, pretty confident in their conclusion that EBV leads to MS.
1: So a quick follow-up question, because you did mention that they looked at a bunch of other just, like... Uh, adjacent uh-huh. potential causes. Uh-huh. Um that would be kind of along the same lines with that. Do they look to see if certain pairings made that more that ha- hazard ratio increase? Like do they look at if patients had the the DR15 HLA
0: uh, allele? Allele,
1: thank you. I was like it's not genotype but uh, uh the allele mm-hmm. and also had EBV were they much more susceptible to MS mm-hmm. per, like development or
0: uh, they did not. I think it's because of the way they got their data it was. All, it sounds like it was maybe de-identified, and all they had was the serum samples. Yeah, I don't really think necessarily had the permissions or the ability to to, yeah. to um look at the genetics. Yeah,
1: I will, Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like IRBs are very narrow because yeah. they want to protect patient information as much as possible, sure. and then even more so than that. Like, I do remember like when I was working at the VA. A century ago that getting any kind of information outside of what was initially requested about patients was mm-hmm. you had to like jump through so many hoops because again they wanted to make sure that they protected their not only like their patients but also mm-hmm. the fact that they were veterans and any yeah. kind of additional information could potentially expose certain things that you, you don't you're not like allowed to understand like no yeah so yeah
0: so I, I think that's a great idea for a follow-up paper if you want to go ahead and uh, spearhead that. Nah, I'm <laughs>
1: way too tired. <laughs> Could you imagine if I did one more thing? Oh my god. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I did have another another question. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and then we'll get to the one patient.
1: Yes, yes. yes. And this is kind of just like a, a parallel question is that you talked about like they talk about look, looking at like EBV onset and then MS diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Was there a Disparity between the type of MS that patients were diagnosed with? Because, like, there's the more commonly thought of, like, um, Mm relapsing-remitting MS, and then there's the other one that's, like, progressive.
0: Primary progressive. Primary
1: progressive, thank you. I was like, I know, it started with a P, but... um, So, like, did they see any kind of difference between those correlations between EVV and the type of MS, or was it kind of just MS in general that they looked at? Uh,
0: They lumped all MS together, so it was just did they have the diagnosis or not and um I'm gonna look to see if they talked about I think they they mentioned that oh there are different types but I think for their, I think it was just the um number of patients they had
1: yeah because I feel like my next question if I saw this because again getting back to like the the way that EBV and other viral infections in the same herpes family work which is they have again like like relapsing and then a recurrence uh period like did they see a correlation between relapsing of the ms with relapsing of the herpes virus production Mm -hmm. which would have been i mean i don't know how they would have been able to do well they had the serum sample so they definitely could well no i don't know how they would have done that because they didn't have like they probably didn't have access to like patient hospital admittance right. or anything like that. But and that would also, have been an interesting. Thing and really. I
0: mean, I know, like, very, very little about the military, but I'm assuming if they had enough symptoms to be diagnosed with MS, they'd probably be medically discharged. Like, they
1: wouldn't stay necessarily. That, yeah, so, that's probably true. There's probably a, a, a medical discharge, like...
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, I I don't honestly know, don't know like, I, I'm thinking about, like, military people, but is not... <laughs> I don't
1: think it's... I don't think yeah. that's, like... I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: So let's get back to this one. Yes, patient. the
1: patient, the the one from the 801.
0: Yes. Who did who was HBV negative?
1: hmm EBV <laughs>
0: negative? EBV negative.
1: Probably HBV positive, let's be real. Oh
0: no. Let's <laughs> no, not speculate on this spectrum.
1: <laughs> Anyways, um, EBV positive. EBV, uh, EBV negative.
0: EBV negative patient with MS. So right. they're like, okay, does this totally throw us like our hypothesis out the window? They say no. Because there are a few different things that could have happened. One, uh, they could have gotten EBV between blood draws because they do it twice a year. Right. So they had six months to get EBV, zero convert, and get MS,
1: which is possible. Which is
0: possible. It's uncommon, but it's possible. And you know, like we talked about, it's a combination of environment and genetics. Sometimes mm-hmm. the environment's really strong. Sometimes the gen- genetics are really strong. So if they had this like really, really strong genetic predisposition.
1: Yeah, like, if they had, like, other, like, HLA mutations Mm -hmm. similar to the DR15 allele that also increased, like, risk factor to MS, like, it might have just been the perfect storm of, like, genetic acquisition.
0: Exactly. And they just got it right away. So that's possible. And then the other idea they float is etiological diversity, which which is the thought that as, you know, science and technology gets better, we can further, you know, kind of sub-dissect Diagnoses so like back in the olden days, you know, it's like ooh, this person had a fever and they died Yeah, like the that the cause of death was like a fever and now a million things can cause fever Yeah, and
1: yeah, that makes sense
0: So they're basically saying that it's possible that there's a rare entity that's very very similar to MS clinically And that we would we as you know clinicians and scientists would diagnose as MS But it's actually actually something something that's caused by something else and their example here is um, polio Okay so all poliomyelitis cases are by a rule caused by the polio virus infection but you know now we have vaccines for polio which people should take
1: <laughs> yeah and
0: um <laughs> basically reduce the cases of poliomyelitis but then what we're seeing is kids were still getting them. Yes, this they,
1: happened, like, last year or something, yeah, right? Yeah. They had, like, especially, like, in the Pacific Northwest, they had a mm-hmm. lot of patients yeah. who were just, like, spontaneously developing, like, poliomyelitis-like <laughs> symptoms.
0: Except it wasn't polio yeah. because it was caused by enterovirus. This enterovirus. <laughs> well, I
1: didn't so know different,
0: that. It's in the same, like, um, enteroviruses, and I think polioviruses, and I might be totally wrong, but I think they're in the all in the coronavirus family.
1: Yeah, I think so. so
0: but... You know, poliovirus is something, and enterovirus is something else. Yeah. So basically, back in the days of polio, there were probably some kids diagnosed with polio but actually had this enterovirus, this smaller, more right. rare thing, but it looked the same, same it smelled yeah. the same. It progressed the same. Polio. Yeah. But now we have the ability to, the scientific ability, to say it's actually something else. So it's possible that there's, there's this kind of rare MS-like condition that's not MS, and it's not caused by EBV.
1: That would be actually really interesting.
0: Yeah. So, those are the kind of two explanations that say, you know, yeah. it, it's not impossible. It doesn't, yeah. like, totally negate their hypothesis. Yeah. But um, probably,
1: like, a lot of these cases are probably related to EBV infection, mm-hmm. and there might be some cases, just because of our lack of depth mm-hmm. of medical knowledge about it, mm-hmm. we still don't understand the full spread of, like, the causations for MS. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So to kind of wrap up their study, um, they talked about kind of future directions, like what's the meaning of this study, other than just knowing more, which is nice, is that, so they said to further support this, a common therapy for MS is anti-B cell monoclonal bodies. Right. So Mm ocrelizumab, which targets CD20. Right. Which is a B cell marker. Yeah. Which, a bunch of uh, different immunotherapies have been tried in the past for MS, like interferon beta, Beta. and... it. there's uh uh i think alemtuzumab, which is uh cd52 they yes use, which I targets so. lymphocytes in general yeah. but they found b cell therapy is good which hey what resides in b cells ebb <laughs> and then so they were like hey that you know that supports our hypothesis that maybe they're treating EBV. And then so basically they're like if we can prevent EBV, we can prevent MS. Which imagine having a vaccine for MS. Would people take it? I would hope I, so. Yeah. But well that's
1: that's what I was going to ask is like I think I think one of those things that makes like a lot of these vaccine developments really difficult, not only to fund but mm-hmm. to like actually get people to to take it is that there might be a correlation or causation link between mm-hmm. EBV infection and developing MS, but it's still classified as a rare disease Mm -hmm. and even though like probably like 80 plus percent of the american population totally just like random estimation guess there but like say like 80 percent of the general population is infected with ebv Mm -hmm. but still only a hugely small percentage of those people actually develop ms Mm -hmm. it's one of those like classic examples of like preventative medicine that's hard to fund sell. and development and sell to patients because yeah. they're going to be like mm-hmm. that won't be me yeah. not at all related to anything that's happening now <laughs>
0: <laughs> right or, the, or, or even historically polio because yeah. you think of the polio kids in the iron lungs but most people get polio and they just had a little sickness and they got better exactly and it was a yeah. small minority of children who um, yeah. got poliomyelitis but we shall see
1: yeah i think maybe like and i think this is overarching just like in general like one of the problems especially with like infectious disease medicine and Mm -hmm. research is Mm -hmm. like trying to express to the public that relationship between infections of viruses and bacteria Mm -hmm. and the development of certain diseases Mm -hmm. and especially like when those like infections come out of the public awareness like for example measles yeah um and patients and like people in general public are like oh this isn't like a thing anymore but it's still very much a thing
0: and it's so contagious it's so contagious yeah
1: so I think that's I think that's one of the lackings as, that I at least have noticed, particularly because of the past few years of trying to express to the general public of like the importance of these things.
0: To wrap this up, one question to ponder for all of our many valued listeners and um, the scientific community as a whole <laughs> is: Is so EVV somehow related to MS? Is it a trigger or is it a driver? Meaning? Uh, you get EBV and something about it your immune system doesn't like and it just turns on a switch and then starts attacking itself. Right. Or is the immune response to EBV somehow accelerating? Like, that's what's causing the MS, Definitely. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, they're talking about vaccines that could prevent MS, but for people who do have MS, obviously it's too late to prevent it. Exactly. If it's a trigger, well, then that trigger has been triggered
1: (laughs) (laughs) has been set off
0: set off thank you (laughs) i don't know i've never Um, used a trigger um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyways
0: um then like whatever has gone haywire in the immune system it, it it's not now related to the continued EBV infection but if it's a driver if it's driving this damage then even if, like, a, somehow an antiretroviral or some treatment for EBV could provide relief to patients who have already been diagnosed with MS. Yeah. So
1: That would be an important thing to, like, establish yeah. and, like, you know, set in stone before, like, any actual, like, therapy is utilized, because yeah. it would probably be more beneficial to go down one avenue or the other, depending on, like, yeah. how this, how EBV actually functions mm-hmm. in this development of the disease. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that was a lot of immunology, a little neurology, a little tangential thought. A little public health. (laughs) A little public health and infectious disease. Um, That is all I have.
1: Um, I really covered all the bases on this one.
0: Yeah. I'll see you guys next time. Yeah.